Escape Pod 93 February 15, 2007 Today's story, now plus n, now minus n, by Robert Silverberg. Hello, and welcome to Escape Pod. I'm Steve Ely, and I'm writing this on Valentine's Day. I wasn't going to say much about it. Like a lot of holidays, I think it's kind of silly to encapsulate into one day things that we should be saying and doing all the time, or not at all. But by coincidence, this week's story happens to fit the theme, and that got me thinking in genre terms. And it suddenly occurred to me, where are all the science fiction love stories? I hadn't thought about it much before, but there's a real void in the field here. I know that historically, science fiction has its roots in adventure and intellect and a sort of literary adolescence, but it's been more mature than that for a long time now. And yet, I have to work really hard to think of stories where love, real romantic love between characters, drives the plot. Especially in novels. There's plenty of sex, sure, and it's almost obligatory to have a romantic subplot, thank you Hollywood, but it's rarely essential, and more often than not, it's an obstacle. Of all the classic novels I've read by the SF Grandmasters, I can't think of a single one that I'd call a true love story. That probably means I'm forgetting something, but the only example that comes to mind at all is The Time Traveler's Wife, and that was very recent. High fantasy doesn't fare too much better. There's at least one classic, Lord Dunsany's The King of Elfland's Daughter, but again, most fantasy characters are too busy, too on the move, and too adolescent to fall in love and stay there. I realize I'm probably not giving things a fair shake, and I welcome your comments with titles I hadn't considered. As usual, there's more diversity in short fiction. Escape Pod has run a few love stories, and I'd love to see more. But what this really says to me is that this is a niche that's wide open. The stories are there, you just have to make them your own. And it doesn't have to be the obvious stuff, the man-loves-alien stories. How about Romeo and Juliet divided by the singularity? Or Tristan and Isolde is a time travel story. I'd read it, and I'm not the only one. So this week, we have a love story with a classic problem. How do you balance career and romance? Of course, it's a somewhat unusual career. We present Now Plus N, Now Minus N by Robert Silverberg. Mr. Silverberg, for those two of you who haven't heard of him, is a Sephwa Grandmaster with more than 80 novels in the genre alone, and hundreds of short stories. He was the youngest person ever to win a Hugo, in 1955 at the age of 20. Today, he's probably best known for his Magipore series, beginning with Lord Valentine's Castle. Hey, there's that Valentine again. This particular story first appeared in 1972 in the anthology Nova 2. So if it takes a somewhat optimistic view of the 1980s, that's part of the fun. So, pour yourself a cocktail and open the newspaper. It's story time. Now plus N, now minus N, by Robert Silverberg. All had been so simple, so elegant, so profitable for ourselves. And then we met the lovely Celine and nearly were undone. She came into our lives during our regular transmission hour on Wednesday, October 7th, 1987, between 6 and 7 p.m. Central European time, the money-making hour. I was in satisfactory contact with myself, and also with myself. Now minus N was on the line first, and then I would hear from now plus N. I was primed for some kind of trouble. I knew trouble was coming, because on Monday... While I was receiving messages from the me of Wednesday, there came an inexplicable and unexplained break in communications. As a result, I did not get data from now plus n concerning the prices of the stocks in our carryover portfolio from last week, and I was unable to take action. Two days have passed, and I am the me of Wednesday who failed to send the news to me of Monday, and I have no idea what will happen to interrupt contact. Least of all did I anticipate Celine. In such dealings as ours, no distractions are needed, sexual or otherwise. We must concentrate wholly. At any time, there is steady, low-level contact among ourselves. 
we feel one another's reassuring presence. But transmission of data from self to self requires close attention. I tell you my method, then maybe you understand my trouble. My business is investments. I do all my work at the same hour. At this hour it is midday in New York. The big board is still open. I can put through quick calls to my brokers when my time comes to buy or sell. My office at the moment is the cocktail lounge known as the Celestial Room in the Henry VIII Hotel, south of the Thames. My office may be anywhere. All I need is a telephone. The Celestial Room is aptly named. The room orbits endlessly on a silent oiled track. Twittering sculptures in the so-called galactic mode drift through the air, scattering cascades of polychromed light upon those who sip drinks. Beyond the great picture windows of the supreme room lies the foggy darkness of the London evening, which I ignore. It is all the same to me, wherever I am. London, Nairobi, Karachi, Istanbul, Pittsburgh. I look only for an adequately comfortable environment, air that is safe to admit to one's lungs, service in the style I demand, and a telephone line. The individual characteristics of an individual place do not move me. I am like the ten planets of our solar family, a perpetual traveler, but not a sightseer. Myself, who is now minus N, is ready to receive transmission from myself, who is now. Go ahead, now plus N, he tells me. To him I am now plus N, to myself I am now. Everything is relative. N is exactly 48 hours these days. Here we go, now minus N, I say to him. I summon my strength by sipping at my drink. Chateau de Chem 79 in a sleek Czech goblet. Sickly sweet stuff. The waiter was aghast when I ordered it before dinner. Horrors. Quel aperitif. But the wine makes transmission easier. It greases the conduit, somehow. I am ready. My table is a single elegant block of glittering irradiated crystal, iridescent, cunningly emitting shifting moiré patterns. On the table, unfolded, lies today's European edition of the Herald Tribune. I lean forward. I take from my breast pocket a sheet of paper, the printout listing the securities I bought on Monday afternoon. Now I allow my eyes to roam the close-packed type of the market quotations in my newspaper. I linger for a long moment on the heading, so there will be no mistake. Closing New York prices, Tuesday, October 6th. To me, they are yesterday's prices. To now minus N, they are tomorrow's prices. Now minus N acknowledges that he is receiving a sharp image. I am about to transmit these prices to the me of Monday. You follow the machinations now. I scan and I select. I search only for the stocks that move 5% or more in a single day. Whether they move up or move down is immaterial. Motion is the only criterion, and we go short or long, as the case demands. We need fast action because our maximum survey span is only 96 hours at present, counting the relay from now plus n back to now minus n by way of now. We cannot afford to wait for leisurely capital gains to mature. We must cut our risks by going for the quick, violent swings, seizing our profits as they emerge. The swings have to be violent. Otherwise, brokerage costs will eat up our gross. I have no difficulty choosing the stocks whose prices I will transmit to Monday's me. They are the stocks on the broker's printout, the ones we have already bought. Obviously, now minus N would not have bought them unless Wednesday's me had told him about them. And now that I am Wednesday's me, I must follow through. So I send Arizona Agrochemical, 79 and 1 fourth, plus 6 and 3 fourths. Canadian Transmutation, 116, plus 4 and 1 fourth. Commonwealth Dispersals, 12, minus 1 and 3 fourths. Eastern Electric Energy, 41, plus 2. Great Lakes Bionics, 66, plus 3 and 1 half. And so on through Western Offshore Corp. 99 minus 8. Now I have transmitted to now minus N a list of Tuesday's top 20 high percentage swingers. From his vantage point in Monday, now minus N will begin to place orders, taking positions in all 20 stocks on Monday afternoon. 
I know that he has been successful because the printout from my broker gives confirmations of all twenty purchases at what now are highly favorable prices. Now minus N then signs off for a while, and now plus N comes on. He is transmitting from Friday, October 9th. He gives me Thursday's closing prices from the same twenty stocks, from Arizona Agrochemical to Western Offshore. He already knows which of the twenty I will have chosen to sell today, but he pays me the compliment of not telling me. He merely gives me the prices. He signs off, and in my role as now, I make my decisions. I sell Canadian Transmutation, Great Lakes Bionics, and five others. I cover our short sale on Commonwealth dispersals. The rest of the positions I leave undisturbed for the time being, since they will sell at better prices tomorrow, according to the word from Now Plus N. I can handle those when I am Friday's me. Today's sequence is over. In any given sequence, and we have been running about three per week, we commit no more than five or six million dollars. We wish to stay inconspicuous. Our pre-tax profit runs at about nine percent a week. Despite our network of tax havens in Ghana, Fiji, Grand Cayman, Liechtenstein, and Bolivia, through which our profits are funneled, we can bring down to net only about 5% a week on our entire capital. This keeps all three of us in a decent style and compounds prettily. Starting with $5,000 six years ago at the age of 25, I have become one of the world's wealthiest men, with no other advantages than intelligence, persistence, and extrasensory access to tomorrow's stock prices. It is time to deal with the next sequence. I must transmit to now minus N the Tuesday prices of the stocks in the portfolio carried over from last week so that he can make his decisions on what to sell. I know what he has sold, but it would spoil his sport to tip my hand. We treat ourselves fairly. After I have finished sending now minus N these prices, now plus N will come online again and will transmit to me an entirely new list of stocks in which I must take positions before Thursday morning's New York opening. He will be able to realize profits in those on Friday. Thus we go from day to day, playing our shifting roles. But this was the day on which Celine intersected our lives. I had emptied my glass. I looked up to signal the waiter and at that moment a slender, dark-haired girl, alone, entered the celestial room. She was tall, graceful, glorious. She was expensively clad in a clinging monomolecular wrap that shuttled through a complex program of wavelength shifts, including a microsecond sweep of total transparency that dazzled the eye while still maintaining a degree of modesty. Her features were a match for her garment, wide-set, glossy eyes, delicate nose, firm lips lightly outlined in green. Her skin was extraordinarily pale. I could see no jewelry on her. Why gild refined gold? Why paint the lily? But on her lovely left cheekbone I observed a small decorative band of ultraviolet paint, obviously chosen for visibility in the high-spectrum lighting of this unique room. She conquered me. There was a mingling of traits in her that I found intensely irresistible. She seemed both shy and steel-strong, passionate and vulnerable, confident and ill at ease. She scanned the room, evidently looking for someone, not finding him. Her eyes met mine and lingered. Somewhere in my cerebrum, now minus N, said shrilly, as I had said on Monday, I don't read you now, plus N. I don't read you. I paid no heed. I rose. I smiled to the girl and beckoned her toward the empty chair at my table. I swept my Herald Tribune to the floor. At certain times, there are more important things than compounding one's capital at five percent per week. She glowed gratefully at me, nodding, accepting my invitation. When she was about twenty feet from me, I lost all contact with now minus N and now plus N. I don't mean simply that there was an interruption in the transmission of words and data among us. I mean that I lost all sense of the presence of my earlier and later selves. That warm, wordless companionship, that ourselvesness, 
That harmony that I had known constantly since we had established our linkage five years ago vanished as if switched off. On Monday, when contact with now plus N broke, I still had had now minus N. Now I had no one. I was terrifyingly alone, even as ordinary men are alone, but more alone than that, for I had known a fellowship beyond the reach of other mortals. The shock of separation was intense. Then Celine was sitting beside me, and the nearness of her made me forget my new solitude entirely. She said, I don't know where he is, and I don't care. He's been late once too often. Finito for him? Hello, you. I'm Celine Hughes. Aram Kevorkian. What do you drink? Chartreuse on the rocks. Green. I knew you were Armenian from halfway across the room. I am Bulgarian, thirteen generations. It suits me to wear an Armenian name. I did not correct her. The waiter hurried over. I ordered chartreuse for her, a sake martini for myself. I trembled like an adolescent. Her beauty was disturbing, overwhelming, astonishing. As we raised glasses, I reached out experimentally for now minus N or now plus N. Silence. Silence. But there was Celine. I said, You're not from London. I travel a lot. I stay here a while, there a while. Originally Dallas. You must be able to hear the Texas in my voice. Most recent port of call, Lima, for the July skiing. Now London. And the next stop? Who knows? What do you do, Aram? I invest. For a living? So to speak. I struggle along. Free for dinner? Of course. Shall we eat in the hotel? There's the beastly fog outside, I said. Exactly. Simpatico. Perfectly. I guessed her for twenty-four, twenty-five at most. Perhaps a brief marriage three or four years in the past. A private income, not colossal, but nice. An experienced woman of the world, and yet also still retaining a core of innocence, a magical softness of the soul. I loved her instantly. She did not care for a second cocktail. I'll make dinner reservations, I said, as she went off to the powder room. I watched her walk away. A supple walk, flawless posture, supreme shoulder blades. When she was about twenty feet from me, I felt my other selves suddenly return. What's happening? Now Minus N demanded furiously. Where did you go? Why aren't you sending? I don't know yet. Why the hell are the Tuesday prices on last week's carryover stocks? Later, I told him. Now, before you blank out again. The prices can wait, I said, and shut him off. To now plus N, I said, All right, what do you know that I ought to know? Myself, of forty-eight hours hence, said, We have fallen in love. I'm aware of that. But what blanked us out? She's psi-suppressant. She absorbs all the transmission energy we put out. Impossible. I've never heard of any such thing. No, said now plus N. Brother, this past hour has been the first chance I've had to get through to you since Wednesday when we got into this mess. It's no coincidence that I've been with her just about 100% of the time since Wednesday evening, except for a few two-minute breaks, and then I couldn't reach you because you must have been with her in your time sequence. And so... How can this be? I cried. What'll happen to us if... No. No, you bastard. You're rolling me over. I don't believe you. There's no way that she could be causing it. I don't know how she does it, said now plus N. There's a... At that moment, Celine returned, looking even more radiantly beautiful, and silence descended once more. We dined well. Chilled Mombasa oysters, salad niquois, filet of Kobe beef rare, washed down by Rishburg 77. Occasionally I tried to reach myself. Nothing. I worried a little about how I was going to get the Tuesday prices to now minus N on the carryover stuff, and decided to forget about it. Obviously I hadn't managed to get them to him, since I hadn't received any printout on sales out of that portfolio this evening, and if I hadn't reached him, there was no sense in fretting about reaching him. The wonderful thing about this telepathy across time is the sense of stability it gives you. 
whatever has been, must be, and so forth. After dinner we went down one level to the casino for our brandies and a bit of gamblerage. Two thousand pounds worth, I said to the robot cashier, and put my thumb to his charge plate, and the chips came skittering out of the slot in his chest. I gave half the stake to Celine. She played high-grav, low-grav, and I played roulette. We shifted from one table to the other according to whim and the run of our luck. In two hours she tripled her stake, and I lost all of mine. I never was good at games of chance. I even used to get hurt in the market before the market ceased being a game of chance for me. Naturally, I let her thumb her winnings into her own account, and when she offered to return the original stake, I just laughed. Where next? Too early for bed. The swimming pool, she suggested. Fine idea, I said. But the hotel had two, as usual. Nude pool or suit pool? Who owns a suit? she asked, and we laughed and took the drop shaft to the pool. There were separate dressing rooms, M and W. No one frets about showing flesh, but shedding clothes still has lingering taboos. I peeled fast and waited for her by the pool. During this interval I felt the familiar presence of another self impinge on me, now minus N. He wasn't transmitting, but I knew he was there. I couldn't feel now plus N at all. Grudgingly, I began to admit that Celine must be responsible for my communications problem. Whenever she went more than twenty feet away, I could get through to myself. How did she do it, though? And could it be stopped? Now help me, would I have to choose between my livelihood and my new beloved? The pool was a vast octagon with a trampoline diving web and a set of underwater sight lights making rippling patterns of color. Maybe fifty people were swimming, and a few dozen more were lounging beside the pool, improving their tans. No one person can possibly stand out in such a mass of flesh, and yet when Celine emerged from the women's dressing room and began the long saunter across the tiles toward me, the heads began to turn by the dozens. Her figure was not notably lush, yet she had the automatic magnetism that only true beauty exercises. She was definitely slender, but everything was in perfect proportion, as though she had been shaped by the hand of Phidias himself. Long legs, long arms, narrow wrists, narrow waist, small high breasts, miraculously outcurving hips, the primavera of Botticelli, the Leda of Leonardo. She carried herself with ultimate grace. My heart thundered. Between her breasts she wore some sort of amulet, a disk of red metal in which geometrical symbols were engraved. I hadn't noticed it when she was clothed. My good luck piece, she explained. I'm never without it. And she sprinted, laughing to the trampoline, and bounded, and hovered, and soared, and cut magnificently through the surface of the water. I followed her in. We raced from angle to angle of the pool, testing each other, searching for limits, and not finding them. We dived and met far below, and locked hands, and bobbed happily upward. Then we lay under the warm quartz lamps. Then we tried the sauna. Then we dressed. We went to her room. She kept the amulet on even when we made love. I felt it cold against my chest as I embraced her. But what of the making of money? What of the compounding of capital? What of my sweaty little secret? the joker in the Wall Street pack, the messages from beyond by which I milked the market of millions. On Thursday, no contact with my other selves was scheduled, but I could not have made it even if it had been. It was amply clear. Celine blanked my sci field. The critical range was twenty feet. When we were farther apart than that, I could get through. Otherwise, not. How did it happen? How? How? An accidental incompatibility of psychic vibrations? A tragic cancelling out of my powers through proximity to her splendid self? No, 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 no. On Thursday we roared through London like a conflagration, doing the galleries, the boutiques, the museums, the sniffer palaces, the pubs, the sparkle houses. I had never been so much in love. For hours at a time I forgot my dilemma. The absence of myself from myself the separation that had seemed so shattering in its first instant seemed 
trivial. What did I need them for when I had her? I needed them for the money-making. The money-making was a disease that love might alleviate but could not cure, and if I did not resume contact soon, there would be calamities in store. Late Thursday afternoon, as we came reeling giddily out of a sniffer palace on High Holborn, our nostrils quivering, I felt contact again. Now plus N broke through briefly, during a moment when I waited for a traffic light and Celine plunged wildly across to the far side of the street. The amulet's what does it, he said. That's the word I get from... Celine rushed back to my side of the street. Come on, silly. Why'd you wait? Two hours later, as she lay in my arms, I swept my hand up from her satiny haunch to her silken breast and caught the plaque of red metal between two fingers. Love, won't you take this off? I said innocently. I hate the feel of a piece of cold, slithery metal coming between us when there was terror in her dark eyes. I couldn't, Aram. I couldn't. For me, love. Please, let me have my little superstition. Her lips found mine. Cleverly, she changed the subject. I wondered at her tremor of shock, her frightened refusal. Later, we strolled along the Thames and watched Friday coming to life in fog-bound dawn. Today I would have to escape from her for at least an hour, I knew. The laws of time dictated it. For on Wednesday, between 6 and 7 p.m. Central European time, I had accepted a transmission from myself of Now Plus N, speaking out to Friday. And Friday had come, and I was that very same Now Plus N, who must reach out at the proper time toward his counterpart at Now Minus N on Wednesday. What would happen if I failed to make my rendezvous with time in time, I did not know, nor wanted to discover. The universe, I suspected, would continue regardless. But my own sanity, my grasp on that universe, might not. It was narrowness. All glorious Friday I had to plot how to separate myself from Radiant Selene during the cocktail hour, when she would certainly want to be with me. But in the end it was simplicity. I told the concierge, At seven minutes after six, send a message to me in the celestial room. I am wanted for urgent business, must come instantly to computer room for intercontinental data patch, person to person. So, concierge replied, We can give you the patch right at your table in the celestial room. I shook my head firmly. Do it as I say, please. I put thumb to gratuity account of concierge and signaled an account transfer of five pounds. Concierge smiled. Seven minutes after six, message robot scuttles into Celestial Room, comes homing in on table where I sit with Celine. Intercontinental data patch, Mr. Gavorkian, says robot. Wanted immediately. Computer room. I turn to Celine. Forgive me, love. Desolated, but must go. Urgent business. Just a few minutes. She grasps my arm fondly. Darling, no. Let the car wait. It's our anniversary now, forty-eight hours since we met. Gently I pull arm free. I extend arm, show jeweled timepiece. Not yet, not yet. We didn't meet till half-past six Wednesday. I'll be back in time to celebrate. I kiss tip of supreme nose. Don't smile at strangers when I'm gone, I say, and rush off with robot. I do not go to computer room. I hurriedly buy a Friday Herald Tribune in the lobby and lock myself in men's washroom cubicle. Contact now was made on schedule with now minus N, living in Wednesday, all innocent of what will befall him that miraculous evening. I read stock prices, 20 securities, from Arizona Agrochemical to Western Offshore Corp. I sign off and study my watch. Now Minus N is currently closing out seven long positions and the short sale on Commonwealth dispersals. During the interval, I seek to make contact with Now Plus N ahead of me on Sunday evening. No response. Nothing. Presently, I lose contact also with Now Minus N, as expected, for this is the moment when the me of Wednesday has for the first time come within Celine's psi-suppressant field. I wait patiently. In a while, Celine minus N goes to powder room. Contact returns. Now minus N says to me, All right, what do you know that I ought to know? 
We have fallen in love, I say. Rest of conversation follows as per. What has been must be. I debate slipping in the tidbit I have received from now plus N concerning the alleged powers of Selene's amulet. Should I say it quickly before a conversation breaks? Impossible. It was not said to me. The conversation proceeds until at the proper moment I am able to say, I think I know how she does it. There's a... Wall of silence descends. Selene minus N has returned to the table of now minus N. Therefore I, now, will return to the table of Selene, now. I rush back to the celestial room. Selene, looking glum, sits alone, sipping drink. She brightens as I approach. See? I cry. Back just in time. Happy anniversary, darling. Happy, 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 happy. When we woke Saturday morning, we decided to share the same room thereafter. Selene showered while I went downstairs to arrange the transfer. I could have arranged everything by telephone without getting out of bed, but I chose to go in person to the desk, leaving Celine behind. You'll understand why. In the lobby, I received a transmission from Now Plus N, speaking out of Monday, October 12th. It's definitely the amulet, he said. I can't tell you how it works, but it's some kind of mechanical psi-suppressant device. God knows why she wears it, but if I could only manage to have her lose it, we'd be all right. It's the amulet. Pass it on. I was reminded by this of the flash of contact I had received on Thursday outside the Sniffer Palace on High Holborn. I realized that I had another message to send, a rendezvous to keep with him who has become now minus N. Late Saturday afternoon, I made contact with now minus N once more, only momentarily. Again, I resorted to a ruse in order to fulfill the necessary unfolding of destiny. Selene and I stood in the hallway, waiting for a drop shaft. There were other people. The drop shaft gate irised open, and Selene went in, followed by others. With an excess of chivalry, I let all the others enter before me, and accidentally missed the closing of the gate. The drop shaft descended with Selene. I remained alone in the hall. My timing was good. After a moment, I felt the inner warmth that told me of proximity to the mind of now minus N. The amulet's what does it, I said. That's the word I get from... Aloneness intervened. During the week beginning Monday, October 12th, I received no advance information on the fluctuations of the stock market at all. Not in five years had I been so deprived of data. My linkings with now minus N and now plus N were fleeting and unsatisfactory. We exchanged a sentence here, a blurt of hasty words there, no more. Of course, there were moments every day when I was apart from the fair Selene long enough to get a message out. Though we were utterly consumed by our passion for one another, nevertheless I did get opportunities to elude the twenty-foot radius of her psi-suppressant field. The trouble was that my opportunities to send did not always coincide with the opportunities of now minus N or now plus N to receive. We remained linked in a 48-hour spacing, and to alter that spacing would require extensive discipline and infinitely careful coordination, which none of ourselves were able to provide in such a time. So any contact with myself had to depend on a coincidence of apartnesses from Selene. I regretted this keenly. Yet there was Selene to comfort me. We reveled all day and reveled all night. When fatigue overcame us, we grabbed that two-hour deep sleep wire and caught up with ourselves. And then we started over. I plumbed the limits of ecstasy. I believe it was like that for her. Though lacking my unique advantage, I also played the market that week. Partly it was compulsion. My plungings had become obsessive. Partly, too, it was at Selene's urgings. Don't you neglect your work for me, she purred. I don't want to stand in the way of making money. Money, I was discovering, fascinated her nearly as intensely as it did me. Another evidence of compatibility. She knew a good deal about the market herself and looked on, an excited spectator, as I each day shuffled my portfolio. The market was closed Monday, Columbus Day. Tuesday, queasily operating in the dark, I sold Arizona Agrochemical, Consolidated Luna, Eastern Electric Energy, and Western Offshore, 
reinvesting the proceeds in large blocks of Meccano leasing and Holoscan Dynamics. Wednesday's Tribune, to my chagrin, brought me the news that Consolidated Luna had received the Copernicus franchise and had risen nine and three-quarters points in the final hour of Tuesday's trading. Meccano Leasing, though, had been rebuffed in the Robomation takeover bid and was off four and one-half since I had bought it. I got through to my broker in a hurry and sold Meccano, which was down even further that morning. My loss was $125,000, plus $250,000 more that I had dropped by selling Consolidated Luna too soon. After the market closed on Wednesday, the directors of Meccano Leasing unexpectedly declared a 5-for-2 split and a special dividend in the form of a 1-for-10 distribution of cumulative participating high-depreciation warrants. Meccano regained his entire Tuesday-Wednesday loss and tacked on five points beyond. I concealed the details of this from Celine. She saw only the glamour of my speculations. The telephone calls, the quick computations, the movements of hundreds of thousands of dollars. I hid the hideous botch from her, knowing it might damage my prestige. On Thursday, feeling battered and looking for the safety of a utility, I picked up 10,000 Southwest Power and Fusion at 38, only hours before the explosion of SPF's magneto-hydrodynamic generating station at Las Cruces which destroyed half a county and neatly peeled $90,000 off the value of my investment when the stock finally traded, after a delayed opening, on Friday. I sold. Later came news that SPF's insurance would cover everything. SPF recovered, whereas Holoscan Dynamics plummeted 11 and one half, costing me 140000 more. I had not known that Holliscan's insurance subsidiary was the chief underwriter for SPF's disaster coverage. All told, that week I shed more than $500,000. My brokers were stunned. I had a reputation for infallibility among them. Most of them had become wealthy simply by duplicating my own transactions for their accounts. Sweetheart, what happened? they asked me. My losses the following week came to $1,250,000. Still no news from now plus N. My brokers felt I needed a vacation. Even Celine knew I was losing heavily by now. Curiously, my run of bad luck seems to intensify her passion for me. Perhaps it made me look tragic and Byronic to be getting hit so hard. We spent wild days and wilder nights. I lived in a throbbing haze of sensuality. Wherever we went, we were the center of all attention. We had that burnished sheen that only great lovers have. We radiated a glow of delight all up and down the spectrum. I was losing millions. The more I lost, the more reckless my plunges became, and the deeper my losses became. I was in real danger of being wiped out if this went on. I had to get away from her. Monday, October 26. Celine has taken the deep sleep wire and in the next two hours will flush away the fatigue of three riotous days and nights without rest. I have only pretended to take the wire. When she goes under, I rise. I dress. I pack. I scrawl a note for her. Business trip. Back soon. Love, 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 love. I catch noon rocket for Istanbul. Minarets, mosques, Byzantine temples. Shunning the sleep wire, I spend next day and a half in bed in ordinary repose. I wake and it is forty-eight hours since parting from Selene. Desolation! Bitter solitude! But I feel now plus N invading my mind. Take this down, he says brusquely. By 5,000 FSP, 800 CCG, 150 LC, 200 T, 1,000 TXN, 100 BVI. Go short, 200 BA, 500 UCM, 200 LOC. Clear? Read back to me. I read back. Then I phone in my orders. I hardly care what the ticker symbols stand for. If now plus N says to do, I do. An hour and a half later, the switchboard tells me, a uh, Miss Hughes to see you, sir. She has traced me. Calamitas calamitatum. Tell her I'm not here, I say. I flee to the roofport. By copter I get away. 
Commercial jet shortly brings me to Tel Aviv. I take a room at the Hilton and give absolute instructions am not to be disturbed. Meals only to room. Also, Herald Tribune every day. Otherwise, no interruptions. I study the market action. On Friday, I am able to reach now minus N. Take this down, I say briskly. By 5,000 FSP, 800 CCG, 140 LC, 200 T. Then I call brokers. I close out Wednesday's longs and cover Wednesday's shorts. My profit is over a million. I am recouping, but I miss her terribly. I spend agonizing weekend of loneliness in hotel room. Monday. Comes voice of now plus N out of Wednesday with new instructions. I obey. At lunchtime, under lid of my barley soup, floats note from her. Darling, why are you running away from me? I love you to the ninth power. S. I get out of hotel disguised as bellhop and take El Al Jet to Cairo. Tense, jittery. I join tourist group sightseeing pyramids, much out of character. Tour is conducted in Hebrew. Serves me right. I lock self in hotel. Herald Tribune available. On Wednesday, I send instructions to me of Monday, now minus N. I await instructions from me of Friday, now plus N. Instead, I get muddled transmissions, noise, confusions. What is wrong? Where to flee now? Brasilia, McMurdo Sound, Anchorage, Yakutsk, Malgrad? She will find me. She has her resources. There are few secrets to one who has the will to surmount them. How does she find me? She finds me. Note comes. I am at Abu Simpel to wait for you. Meet me there on Friday afternoon, or I throw myself from Ramsey's leftmost head at sundown. Love. Desperate. S. I am defeated. She will bankrupt me, but I must have her. On Friday, I go to Abu Simpel. She stood atop the monument, luscious in windswept white cotton. I knew you'd come, she said. What else could I do? We kissed. Her suppleness inflamed me. The sun blazed toward a descent into the western desert. Why have you been running away from me? she asked. What did I do wrong? Why did you stop loving me? I never stopped loving you. I said. Then why? I will tell you, I said, a secret I have shared with no human being other than myself. Words tumbled out. I told all. The discovery of my gift. The early chaos of sensory bombardment from other times. The bafflement of living one hour ahead of time and one hour behind time as well as the present. The months of discipline needed to develop my gift. The fierce struggle to extend the range of extrasensory perception to five hours, ten, twenty-four, forty-eight. The joy of playing the market and never losing. The intricate systems of speculation. The self-imposed limits to keep me from ending up with all the assets in the world. The pleasures of immense wealth. The loneliness, too. And the supremacy of the night when I met her. Then I said, when I'm with you, it doesn't work. I can't communicate with myself. I lost millions in the last couple of weeks playing the market the regular way. You were breaking me. The amulet, she said. It does it. It absorbs psionic energy. It suppresses the psi field. I thought it was that. But who ever heard of such a thing? Where did you get it, Celine? And why do you wear it? I got it far, far from here, said Celine. I wear it to protect myself. Against what? Against my own gift. My terrible gift, my nightmare gift, my curse of a gift. But if I must choose between my amulet and my love, it is no choice. I love you, Aram. I love you. I love you. She seized the metal disc, ripped it from the chain around her neck, hurled it over the brink of the monument. It fluttered through the twilight sky and was gone. I felt now minus N and now plus N return. Selene vanished. For an hour I stood alone atop Abu Simpel, motionless, baffled, stunned. Suddenly Selene was back. 
she clutched my arm and whispered, Quick, let's go to the hotel. Where have you been? Next Tuesday, she said. I oscillate in time. What? The amulet damped my oscillations. It anchored me to the timeline in the present. I got it in 2459 A.D. Someone I knew there, someone who cared very deeply for me. It was his parting gift, and he gave it knowing we could never meet again. But now... She vanished. Gone eighteen minutes. I was back in last Tuesday, she said, returning. I phoned myself and said I should follow you to Istanbul, and then to Tel Aviv, and then to Egypt. You see how I found you? We hurried to her hotel overlooking the Nile. We made love, and an instant before the climax, I found myself alone in bed. Now plus N spoke to me and said, She's been here with me. She should be on her way back to you. Selene returned. I went to this coming Sunday, I said. I know. Can't you control the oscillations at all? No, I'm swinging free. When the momentum really builds up, I cover her centuries. It's torture, Aram. Life has no sequence, no structure. Hold me tight. In a frenzy, we finished what we could not finish before. We lay clasped close, exhausted. What will we do? I cried. I can't let you oscillate like this. You must. I can't let you sacrifice your livelihood. But she was gone. I rose and dressed and hurried back to Abu Simpel. In the hours before dawn, I searched the sands beside the Nile, crawling, sifting, probing. As the sun's rays crested the mountain, I found the amulet. I rushed to the hotel. Selene had reappeared. Put it on, I commanded. I won't. I can't deprive you of... Put it on. She disappeared. Now plus N said, Never fear. All will work out wondrous well. Celine came back. I was in the Friday after next, she said. I had an idea that will save everything. No ideas. Put the amulet on. She shook her head. I brought you a present, she said and handed me a copy of the Herald Tribune, dated the Friday after next. Oscillation seized her. She went and came and handed me November 19th's newspaper. Her eyes were bright with excitement. She vanished. She brought me the Herald Tribune of November 8th, of December 4th, of November 11th, of January 18th, 1988, of December 11th, of March 5th, 1988, of December 22nd, of June 16th, 1997, of December 14th, of September 8th, 1990. Enough, I said, enough! She continued to swing through time. The stack of papers grew. I love you, she gasped, and handed me a transparent cube one inch high. The Wall Street Journal, May 19th, 2206, she explained. I couldn't get the machine that reads it, sorry. She was gone. She brought me more Herald Tribunes. Many dates, 1988 to 2002. Then a whole micro-reel. At last she sank down, dazed, exhausted, and said, Give me the amulet. It must be within twelve inches of my body to neutralize my field. I slipped the disc into her palm. Kiss me, Celine murmured. And so, she wears her amulet. We are inseparable. I have no contact with my other selves. In handling my investments, I merely consult my file of newspapers, which I have reduced to mini-cap size and carry in the bezel of a ring I wear. For safety's sake, Selene carries a duplicate. We are very happy. We are very wealthy. Is only one dilemma. Neither of us use the special gift with which we were born. Evolution would not have produced such things in us if they were not to be used. What risks do we run by thwarting evolution's design? I bitterly miss the use of my power, which her amulet negates. Even the company of Supreme Selene does not wholly compensate for the loss of the harmoniousness that was now minus n, now, now plus n. I could, of course, simply arrange to be away from Selene for an hour here, an hour there, and reopen that contact. I could even have continued playing the market that way, setting aside a transmission hour every 48 hours outside of amulet range. 
but it is the continuous contact that I miss, the always presence of my other selves. If I have that contact, Selene is condemned to oscillate, or else we must part. I wish also to find some way that her gift will be not terror but joy for her. Is maybe a solution. Can extrasensory gifts be induced by proximity? Can Selene's oscillation pass to me? I struggle to acquire it. We work together to give me her gift. Just today I felt myself move, perhaps a microsecond into the future, then a microsecond into the past. Selene said I definitely seemed to blur. Who knows? Will success be ours? I think yes. I think love will triumph. I think I will learn the secret, and we will coordinate our vanishings, Selene and I, and we will oscillate as one. We will swing together through time. We will soar. We will speed hand in hand across the millennia. She can discard her amulet once I am able to go with her on her journeys. Pray for us, now plus N, my brother, my other self, and one day soon perhaps I will come to you and shake you by the hand. And that was our story. We all have regrets in life. One of my regrets is that I already used the line, I can only imagine what their honeymoon must be like, a few weeks ago. Because the story went long, I'll keep this outro short. Luckily, I can be brief on the feedback to Escape Pod 90, How Lonesome a Life Without Nerve Gas. Man, people love that story. A lot of the comments delve deep into an analysis of the helmet's motivations, the purpose of the trial, etc., which is great. As DKT summed it up, wow, what a story. Guns don't kill people, helmets do. Frank Key's narration also got a lot of praise for the dry British presentation. For those of you who enjoyed it, we've already got a couple more stories read by Frank Key, and those will be coming up soon-ish. Escape Pod is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. That's because if we're giving it away, why shouldn't we let you give it away too? Everybody wins. For the best in audio horror, check out our sister podcast, Pseudopod, at pseudopod.org. And if you want Escape Pod archive CDs, you can buy them at poddisc.com. Remember that we are donor-supported, and if you like us, tell your friends. That was our show for this week. Our closing quote comes from Richard Friedman, who said, Money will buy you a fine dog, but only love can make it wag its tail. We'll see you next week, and have fun.